My name is Barry Siragusa, and this is the Hunting Hound Podcast presented by W Hunting Supply. Join us as we go deep discussing hounds and everything hound related with the men and women from around the globe who've dedicated their lives to hunting with hounds. We ask them about the game they pursue, the breeds they run, and they get their insight into what it means to be a modern-day houndsman. I hope you enjoy this podcast. Leave us a comment and subscribe wherever podcasts are available. This whole thing's been crazy. The, the funniest thing about the, the whole, uh, I'll just let everybody know what's been going on. I've spent the last couple of hours trying to get the, uh, the sound squared away, and my understanding has been that it's, it, it's because it's been an internet problem. Mm-hmm. But found out randomly in the process of getting this podcast squared away that um, it was actually the boom mic that was causing the problem, and not only causing the problem with the audio, but causing a lag in the video. Mm. Um, so the sound quality is not going to be 100% where I want it on this podcast, but we're going to make the best out of it, and we're, we're working on it. I think it's a, I think it's a RAM problem on my computer. I think my computer's hitting, hitting the max of what it can handle. Well, the audio on my end sounds pretty good, so uh, good. I'm not pleased that you're not skip, 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 skipping again <laughs> like oh you were gosh. before. That was because that was what I started trying to figure that out, and I would record myself on my computer, and it would be the mm. same. It was like that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, you know, and and eventually yanked out the cord on the disconnected the whole sound system and found that it's working. So. Okay. Anyway, thanks for coming on. We've been trying to make this work for months, and then most you know most of my afternoon here. So it's it's, it's good to actually be sitting yeah. down and talking. Yeah, yeah, I appreciate. Yeah, you know, I just want to tell you, thank you for having me on here. It's um like you say, we've been working on this well into last year. The COVID mm. thing affected it, and then my schedule, then your schedule. Mostly, it's been me. I've, my schedule hadn't lined up with you properly, and I apologize for times we've had to put this off but i'm definitely glad oh, we no, finally no. make it happen yeah no it's been i mean it's been both of us i think the last like the last time was we had it all squared away and i i had covid yeah so i was like mm-hmm. <laughs> i couldn't breathe it would have sounded like an obscene phone call me breathing heavily into the microphone not able to speak <laughs> i tell you it seems like everybody i know now you know used to be i knew a couple people and now everybody i know has had it and Yep. I'm not no doctor, but maybe that's that's the best way to get through this is everybody kind of get it and go. But, you know, yeah, it's uh, you never know. You know, I, the the COVID thing's been funny because it's, uh, you know, it's it's affected. It used to be that, you know, you knew like I was one of the odd guys who had, like I knew a couple of people who died real early on. Mm-hmm. And like I was one of the odd ones. And now it's just like everybody knows somebody who died. Everybody, you know, I. I don't know. I think I can count on my hand the number of people I know who haven't had it. Yeah. Yeah. That's what really scared me was everybody I knew. I've had two or three people I went to school with, you know, here in my late thirties, they're dying after like the second round, you know? So I had right. it one time and then you know, these guys were in good shape. They weren't as fat as me. So I'm like, Man, I got to stay away from the second round of it, you know, yeah. it's been tragic, but yeah, no, that's, it's been no fun, but people get through it and yep make the best out of it so mm-hmm. so but yeah the uh 
no, we, uh, I, I, I had high hopes for, uh, I had high hopes for 2022. <laughs> and then the shit just kind of hit the fan. It's like, I was like, 2022, can't be any worse than 2021. And yeah, old Putin was like, hold my beer. Yeah. Let me show you something, huh? Let me show you guys something here. Yeah. Yeah. That's I know we was talking about this earlier um you know when we tried to record this earlier but i just want yep. to reiterate this now we're on here now is you know i had been listening to several of your podcasts probably every one of them and some of them even more than once and mm-hmm. i know you lived in norway but mm-hmm. i was sitting down watching tv the other day and uh youtube an episode of survivor man in norway come on and he was showing off one what you mentioned how rugged the country is but mm-hmm. how beautiful it was i'm like Bear lives in an amazing place to get to spend time in the outdoors with some dogs. I mean, that's oh yeah, oh yeah. I'm, I had no I'm idea. So, yeah, I'm so lucky, you know. And that's something that maybe I don't say enough on the podcast. I spend a lot of time on the podcast talking about the rules and the regulations, and you know that the height limits mm-hmm. on hunting deer, and you know the not being able to run bears here with hounds. I need to run them with spitz types, and you know the mm-hmm. can't use shock collars, stuff like that. You know, but I, yeah. I maybe don't spend quite as much time as I should talking about how, what a great place this is. I mean, it's such a beautiful, beautiful area. And some of the places I hunt are just, you know, it, it, they're, they're breathtaking. They're really, really amazing. And sometimes I, yeah. I uh, so focused on what I'm doing with the dogs that I kind of lose a little bit of focus on just really how lucky I am to be able to do it here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, you, it's know you mentioned the, the, the e-collar thing you can't use a shock collar and all and you have that i think it was a, a walker that you really yep. need to break of stuff question from a, a layman of what you can and can't do over there are you allowed to run anything that's just like a audible tone that doesn't shock a dog would that be yeah allowed? yep so like the garments that we get here um are you know very similar to what you can get in the states but instead of the shock mm-hmm. It's got a vibrate. Yep. And then it's got the tone and a light. Okay. So those so training basically buttons, everything about the shot. Yeah, basically. So, yeah. You, you know, you can teach a dog, you know, basically work with a dog, teach it to sit, teach it to come as a pup and stuff on the tone with mm-hmm. the vibrate sort of being associated with when you start to get real stern with the pup. Right. You know, when it's not listening to you, you vibrate it as you're sort of starting yeah. to kind of, you know, get on it a little bit yeah. and that helps i mean it, it it works to a degree yeah but you know ideally you're not going to use the shock unless you really have to mm-hmm. and that's when the vibrate doesn't work right i understand you know? well, i didn't know but you know, you saw about that the walker dog of yours kind of getting way out there real quick chasing yeah. stuff and i know there's some way to tone train it just to Say, hey, kind of like hollering for it at long range, you know. Hey, yeah. stop what you're doing. Come here. But Yeah, and I, I've done that, and she's gotten a lot better because that was something that, I, you know, what made it tough in the beginning was that she was not only trashy, but she was terrible at um, with the end calling. Okay, yeah. You know, getting her to come, getting her to actually come in, break off, and come, and come back to me. Yeah. Really bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, How old is she now? She's like five, so she's okay. she's not a spring chicken anymore. Yeah, yeah. And uh, but yeah, you know, we kind of slowly, slowly working through it. And that's the thing is that 
you know, I'm, I'm able to work through all this stuff. It just takes me a lot of time, A, because I'm, I don't have the experience with this kind of thing anyway. Mm-hmm. And B, because, you know, I don't necessarily have all the tools that I wish that I had. Yeah, um, course, yeah. But, you know, at the same time, you know, the times, the time where I managed to get in front of her and I knew where she was going to cross. And, and then that's part of it, too, is that, you know, in it seems like the houndsmen of today, they're traveling all over the place. They're going so many different places to hunt. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a lot of the houndsmen, from what I've gathered from talking to some of these older guys, you know, they, they didn't necessarily do that as much. You know, they had, mm-hmm. they had their areas that they knew like the back of their hands. They knew where those dogs were going to cross. They knew if they went up over that ridge where they were going to come down on the other side. So they could get in front of them a little bit. Yeah. More than I, at least than I can get in front of my dogs if I'm at a total a place that I don't know. Like if they go up and over right. a ridge, I'm not, I don't know where they're going to come down. But mm-hmm. when I hunt them here at home, I've gotten to the point where I know that a little bit more. Yep. So, you know, I've been able to sort of tuck, tuck myself behind a big pine tree and, you know, jump out and tackle her as she's running by where she didn't see me until mm-hmm. I was on top of her. Yeah, you know, I'm sort of fear God in her a little bit. That idea that gosh, he's <laughs> everywhere. He just came out of nowhere, man. Yeah. So yeah. And she's she's getting better. She really is. And yeah. like I said in a previous podcast, the uh, the grade walker I've got is uh, like the walker Russian cross that I've got. He's as mm-hmm. straight as I think it's possible for any dog to be. You know, um, I'll still qualify that with saying that you know, if you ask me with if he's if he runs trash, I'll say, well, he hasn't yet. Yeah. You know, any dog can, but, um, yeah, he's, you know, he started running a deer when he was a pup four months old, maybe. And mm-hmm. I just needed to call his name like hard. And yeah. he broke off and never tried again. Like I've seen him, I've seen him almost collide with them and just keep trucking. Mm-hmm. So that's another thing that really impressed me it was just a wide variety of game you talk about able to run there, you know, here in the Ooh. States, basically, if it don't tree or a nuisance like a like a pig or something like that, you can't really, or maybe rabbits, you know, and of course the upland guys, but sure. you know, the deer dogging that's done around here is, is growing smaller and smaller every year. You know, a lot goes on toward the East Coast, but, you know, those yeah. guys are losing property all the time too. It's just. Seems like the hound uh, way of life seems to be doing better where you live than I would say that in, in big ways to. that it is. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because th- there's stuff that we don't need to deal with over here that you guys need to deal with. Like, you mm-hmm. know, we have the right to retrieve. Yeah. No questions asked. Like there's That's good. nothing. If, if, if somebody grabbed my dog and tossed it into their garage and wouldn't give it back to me. Yeah. And called the police, that person would be in major trouble. Right. right. You know, and so, you know, we've, we've got that. We've also got these great big areas where it's, it's possible to, we've got a lot of public land where it's possible to run hounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, a lot of the smaller, a lot, a lot of the smaller landowners sort of have, organize themselves into co-ops kind of okay yeah and we'll sell the hunting rights for their collective area together which makes it really simple because you know like around where i am you know if i needed to go to every single landowner and ask for the 
you know, asked to be able to run would take me a year to get all the signatures that I needed. And half of them would say no. Right. You know, I'd end up with this horrible patchwork that I, you know, need to keep track of where they were, you know, it's just that Mm -hmm. I I see some of these guys, you know, in the States struggling with it. It's just, just looks like such a nightmare to have to deal with, you know, but it's, it's yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that is the biggest struggle myself personally is right now is, is a landowner permission. Since North Carolina, where I live, we used to be a right to retrieve, but a hundred dogs in there on a bear, one man. I mean, it got, we used to be several men, one man per dog. Then it got down to one man. No weapon could go get 50 dogs, you know, whatever. And now they've took that away unless the landowner will right say, you know, you can go in, you can't do it. So, the landowner stands there and on their front porch when you're knocking on the door and tells you to get back in your truck and leave. You can call the game warden and he can come up there and try to negotiate for you. And a lot of them will, they don't mind to try to do that. But, and at the end it's the landowners, you know, say, and a lot of the big landowners around where I live, there's everything's a subdivision on a golf course. You can't find hardly a hundred acres anywhere that doesn't have something built on it or somebody bought it and gated it or whatever. Right. The other night I was actually coon hunting, went to a small 30 acre track of land. I got permission on Cut my dog in there. I'm watching the guard or the sport dog and I don't like to do it, but you have to watch it because it's such a short piece of property mm. and I'm watching him. He gets right to the very end. I have to hit the tone button and he started actually circling a little bit. I'm thinking, okay, we found something. Couldn't let him push it on, you know, because I know the guys behind them. I've talked to them. They don't want me in there. They just don't want you but, there. Uh, That's so tough because yeah. you, know, you know that dog's going to not, it's going to take something away from that that you don't want him to take away from it. Exactly. And see, when I, he's pushing eight now. I've had him since he was 16 months old. Hmm. And I had thousands of acres of private around me in the county, county below me that I could hang him on. That's so all I trained him on. And it was go deep. Don't come back until I tell you you find the coon. And I never would tell him to come back until he did. And so right. now that's what he's after. And not knowing it, I shot myself in the foot because I don't need a dog that hunts straight line out until he finds something. I need a dog that should yeah. work a property a little more. And nothing I can do about it now. He's setting his ways. And like you say, I'm having to call him short and it's not good. No, that's, that's too bad. Did you move? Is that why, is that why the change? No, no, I, no, I live in the same place, but, uh, really the, that's just been a gradual yeah. hacking away at your hunting area. Yeah. Wow, that's brutal. The, man. The, the last 10 years, um, a lot of that's changed. Uh, farmers passed away. Kids got the property. Don't want to buy on it. They're deer hunting now, whatever. Um, right. sold it out. Subdivisions come in. You know, even two years ago, it got to where if you wanted to find 30 acres to rabbit hunt on, you know, beagles don't really leave your sight for the most part. Easily done. Right. Now, my dad, he's a rabbit hunter. He can't hardly find nowhere because you're going to really? end up bumping into somebody's yard or whatever. You know, it's just, it's getting crazy where I am, you know, and I know it's not like it all over the country. I've got friends everywhere, you know, from Indiana to Arkansas and that they're not having those issues bless them i'm glad you know but yeah it's great i mean it's good for them but at the same time it's like north carolina is it's it's, the history of the hound is so steeped in just the fabric of the place it's such a strange thing 
that they, yeah. that it would be there. You'd have issues. Like you, you'd think that would be the last place in the world you would ever have issues dropping a hound. Yeah. It started back in the 90s. We were getting a lot of people coming from Florida and Charleston area to a cooler summer climate to retire. And they would buy a 1,000-acre farm, put in an 18-hole golf course, and now, you know, throwing a house on every ridge and holler. So, And it's just it's took over. In a way, it's good for our economy because we used to be like a a textile mill type community and everybody worked Mm -hmm. at a mill or a plant. And all those went overseas. At the same time, the retirees came in. So now you either sell them their property, do the grading for it, build their house, mow their grass, keep their AC running, or you work at the hospital where they're going, you know, for a doctor. So for economy, it's great. But for the houndsmen, it's, it's been a nail in the coffin. I know. I feel really bad because I know five or six boys that are, you know, 16, 17 years old now grow up watching their dad's hunt and they're getting their trucks. Now they're licensed and their dogs and they're, they're rip roaring to go. And they don't really, we have some public land here, some, but it's not very big. It's hunted to death and there's not a lot of game on it really. So that's rough, man. That's, you know, and, and again, I, I really should be not complaining about how we've got it over here in Norway because we do have it really, really pretty good over here, you know, within, you know, there's a lot of different places within, within an hour of me that I can drop a dog. Um, and, you know, without running the risk of, you know, without it abutting up to a real busy road or anything, you know, something like that. Um, you know, my biggest, my biggest issue is I live right on the edge of a huge, um, uh, nature preserve and we've got a lot of game. But the dogs, if they decide to bust off into that nature preserve, they can, I can hunt in there. It's no problem. It's just, there's no roads, mm-hmm. yeah. you know, it's 50 yeah. miles to the next road. So, I mean, they're in there. <clears throat> I basically got to wait for them to bounce out to the periphery or get in there as deep yeah. as I can. Cause we can't do, because it's a nature reserve, we can't do the snowmobiles, the ATVs. Um, right. so, you know, it's, it's basically just hoofing it, which um most of the time is fine you know like with the mm-hmm. with walkers i i've had no issues with it whatsoever but the plot he uh yeah he kicked my butt <laughs> yeah i understand because he just went deep and then i just like i couldn't catch him like i couldn't even get yeah. to within you know yeah. hollering distance of him um yeah. you know and, right north of me in transylvania county north carolina we have a place called pisgah national forest and mm-hmm tens of thousands of acres and it used to be that there was all kinds of logging roads that, you know went around through the back country and you could access them and hunt them the last several years they've actually started getting those off right time deer season comes on so even the deer hunting guys came and ride back in there and deer hunt and so the houseman's were totally cut off from it too well also half of it was a bear sanctuary there was no bear hunting at all and there was a river that kind of goes up through the middle of it, divides it, called the Davison River. Everything, if I'm saying this right, west of the Davison, you could bear hunt, whether it be steel or with dogs and guys dog them. And everything east of there, you couldn't even bear hunt at all. Well, recently, they uh, brought before the commission and they voted on it. They're, open, they're going to open up bear hunting on that bear sanctuary. Hmm. Now, it's too early to tell whether they're going to allow. It's probably going to be in a quota, I would imagine. And I don't know if it's going to be still hunting or if they're going to allow bear hunters with dogs too. Yeah. 
I hope they do. And I'm hoping it's going to open those gates up. It's got to, you know, because you're talking like what you're talking about. You got to hack in miles just to even get into hunting country if they don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 it's insane. I really hope that that happens. That would be, that would be a huge step in the right direction. I'm seeing, you know, it's one of those things where I see on the one hand, I see more threats to the way of life, you know, than ever before. But on the other hand, Mm -hmm. I'm seeing slowly, but surely I'm seeing some, some success stories here. Yeah. You know, where you, you see, you see these, some of these places starting to get back their bear hunts or, you know, extending their seasons or, or, you know, mm-hmm. and that's really good to see. I know, I know they're still whittling away at us, but it's, it's good to see, you know, especially with, um, the, uh, I can't remember the guy's name off the top of my head, but the guy that started the howl.org. I hadn't heard about this. Yeah. This, it's- he, he, uh, created this website where he, creates form letters for these different um these different bills and that are trying that they're trying to pass that the anti hunters are trying to pass and creates okay. form letters uh that just with a couple of clicks filling in your name you can send it to all of the lawmakers that are involved in that process oh, and he's just amazing. streamlined it so much i mean so you can go in there and you know get a lot of i mean they're just slamming these lawmakers with with emails like i mean really like never before and he That's just he's made it so easy so the the amount of engagement there has been unbelievable and it seems to be making yeah. a really good because uh, he's uh, a really big difference because he's also being really good about keeping people updated on the status of these different things on the website really nice you yeah. know well-designed easy website yeah. and good social media presence you know he's they're doing a lot right over there and making it a lot easier for us. You know, people like me who, you know, spend four hours trying to figure out how to get their microphone to work. You know, we're pretty hopeless. Yeah. We don't, nice we don't need way. complicated. That's right. <laughs> Typing my name and clicking a button. That's about, that's about what I can manage. And he's made it pretty mm-hmm. much that simple. So, you know, kudos. And kudos what was that them. website? And that was howl.org. Okay, I'm gonna check it out when we get off yeah, here. I gotta check them out. There, that that's a great that's a great thing, and it's I mean it's relatively new, and it's it's made a big big difference. I think in you know, relatively short amount of time, which has yeah. been really cool. So, but what about well, luckily, uh, what have you been up to? You've uh, still doing the YouTube, uh, still got the YouTube thing, and that's going really well. I see. Yeah, surprisingly. I don't know why it's going well because we really hadn't posted much on it in the last well really the last year. I just uh I kind of took a break from filming things cuz it mm-hmm. it was getting to where it was a little more like a job, you know. That a job sure. that don't really pay, but you know, I wanted to tow the camera every time we went and uh make do a good job of making a, a video and everything and the creation mm-hmm. of it. And I do enjoy doing that, but um it got to where it was kind of let's get in the woods to make a video instead of let's go coon hunting, you know? Sure. So right. Yeah. Kind of laid, laid off putting the videos up. And for some reason, the channel still kept growing. Subscribers were going up, views going up and, cool. um, yeah. So, I mean, it's doing fantastic. I'm, I'm tickled to death. And I did take a camera out the other night, which we, like I said, I had to call the dog back. So I'm not even right. going to bother putting it up, but I thought, well, let's get out here and start making these again. Right. How many dogs do you have at this point? Well, that's actually a new development. Um, I had to 
And a lot of my followers on YouTube knew that I had uh, my male dog hide and a female mm-hmm. named Nix. And yeah, and- Nix was four, maybe yeah. just four and a half, something like mm-hmm. that. And uh, everybody knows, I mean, I've been transparent, honest with it, that she's had a lot of issues with treeing. Um, she's extremely fast on track, extremely accurate. Mm-hmm. But when she got to the ends, like she didn't know what to do. And I've seen her tree. I mean, it's like I know that she knows, but for some reason she would just forget. So I, I had to sit down and have a real hard, honest conversation internally with myself. I said, mm-hmm. you know, you've got this dog that needs a pile of work. If she can even come out of it, I don't know. You don't have the land. You don't have the time. You know, you're not doing her any service like sure. you should. And so a guy that I had hooked up with um, a while back, he actually was wanting to get into coon hunting. He contacted me. He said his son had been with a neighbor. Uh, Chris Murdoch is his name. Mm-hmm. And uh, he's got a YouTube channel um, cool. starting out. But he said his son was uh, been with a neighbor, coon hunting, wanted to get into it, wanted to know where he could find a dog. And I told him, I said, well, my wife at the time had had a male dog off of Mr. Clean, Walker dog, that had only been, I started training pretty good, and then we got to where we just couldn't take him hunting anymore, didn't have the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was still down at my wife's parents' house, we lived nearly an hour away. And I told him, I said, well, we're kind of looking to rehome this dog. And he lives like six hours from me. I said, I'll drive halfway and bring him in a bag of dog food. If you want him, you can have him. Mm-hmm. So I took JJ's name of the dog, took down there to him. He just started hunting him, and Chris is completely new to coon hunting. And all of a sudden, JJ's treeing coons. Dog ain't been in the woods in three years. Wow. You know? So when I had the hard, hard conversation with myself to get rid of Nick's, I, I hit up Chris. I was like, hey, man, you interested in another dog? He's like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, what's she doing? So I sent him links to all the videos, and I was up front with him. I said, man, she may never tree for you. I really don't know. Yeah, I said, but if you want her, I'll meet you. And so he's had her now for about a month. He's took her out two or three times. His work schedule, like he'll be off for two or three weeks and then he's on nights and so forth. Mm-hmm. It just hadn't hit. He hadn't been able to get in her woods a ton. But uh, she's still running and tracking really good for him. And he's going to work on the tree and thing. But he's That's had cool. her in the woods more in the last month than I have in the last six. So Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, that that's a tough one, man. You know, it, it's one of those things where you got to, I did that with, uh, you know, my, it's going to be a surprise to all my podcast listeners, but I did that with, uh, that plot, Dan, Oh, did you know, you? just, I mean, a, a ridiculous talent. I mean, a ridiculous talent. And, you know, I realized mm-hmm. that this was a dog, this was a once in a lifetime type of dog. And I was getting that feedback from people, you know, who, have been around the plots for a long, long time. Not just people here who had seen them, but, you know, talking to people in the mm-hmm. States or describing what he was doing, trying to, you know, get some feedback on what he was doing, you know, and realizing that this was more dog that with my experience level, I was going to be able to not, not even get his full, full potential. I wasn't even worried about that. It was just this idea that the realization that this dog was a genius to the level that I could, I, I could ruin him, you know? I got you. Yeah. And, um, so, you know, had a buddy who is an extremely good dog, man, you know, in all of the, all the years I've been I- involved in dogs and, you know, with the hounds and with the sled dogs, you know, I would, all the people I know there, I would put this guy in the top three. Um, 
Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he, one of his plots, we run them in pairs here. You know, when we run, when mm-hmm. we run them in pairs in Sweden, we're able to drop two at a time. Okay. And one of his pairs got, you know, uh, split up, you know, one of, one of them got really badly injured. So he, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. had, a, had an extra dog uh, that, that needed a buddy, you know, that need, or that needed, you know, needed another dog. Um, right. And, you know, I had this, I had this dog that was just, he was just getting wilder and wilder. You know, I was hunting him all the time. Like I was out, I was out all the time. I was out, you know, yeah. at least on a bad week, two or three, two or three days a week. And, um, he was just getting crazier and crazier. It's like, I couldn't reach the bottom of his gas tank. And every time <laughs> we went out, he would come back in better shape somehow and just be like, that much crazier the next time um which you know was honest like i'm gonna be totally honest was intimidating man you know i had this yeah super dog on my hands and i didn't i i don't have the skill set yet to be able to give yeah. him what he needed so um he's moved down to my buddy's house i'm still gonna get to hunt him i'm still gonna get to you know keep track of my get a pup off of him at some point um and yeah. go and hunt bears with him but now you know, rather than me hunting bears and going and tossing him in with a dog he doesn't know and just kind of, you know, kind of a bunch of things that made sense in this situation where now he's can, you know, he's he's paired with a dog named Rolf and he and Rolf can kind of get to know each other and, you know, actually build some kind of a rapport before they're standing face to face with some 700 pound monster, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but that's tough, you know, that was, that was, that was brutal. Like, that was like, yeah, that was giving a kid away it was <laughs> that sucked so i i, I can i can I, I i feel for you that's um that's that's no fun it's a kick in the a little bit of a kick in the nuts if you'll excuse the expression you know just in terms of realizing yeah. that as much as you want to you're just not you're not not able to give it what it needs you know you're not able to the, the bar is just too high You know, and after I'd done this, I looked back and I thought, you know, I should have done this two years ago. But at the time, I kept thinking, let's go get better. I'm going to find a property. You know, I'm going to, you know, time's going to open up or whatever. And hindsight's always 2020. And, you know, I I get a lot of messages. I don't know if these are necessarily the kids, but new coon hunters, I guess you can say. Mm -hmm. Um, They definitely seem in the youth side of things. And they'll mess me all the time and they'll say, Hey, when should you give up on a dog? I get that like a lot. This is, mm-hmm. this is a serious yeah. question that, that's yeah. coming around more than you would think. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, I answer them the same way every time you, there is no deadline. There is no such and such months or such and such year, cut the cord, let it go. You know, you, you just kind of have to sit down like you did and me and have that hard conversation with yourself. Have you put in all the time you can, done everything you can, whether it be enough or not? Have you done everything you can? Mm-hmm. Are you going to be able to do what the dog needs from this point on? And what does the dog need? So you know whether you can provide or not. And then make the decision from there. If that's a 12-month-old dog or a 4-year-old dog at that point, you know, it is what it is. But Right. Uh, I, I think a lot of... What I do find is a lot of these youth, when when I get to talking to them, they say, "Well, he'll run, but he won't tree." And mm-hmm. they'll tell me this big lengthy. And we have a we'll have an hour long messaging conversation. And my ignorance, I finally say, "Well, how old's your dog?" Well, he's nine months. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> okay. 
I should ask that question to begin right, with, you know. Yeah, I fell for it again. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I said, well, just be patient. You're, you're doing great. Your dog is tracking at nine months you know, around here. That's pretty good. So, yeah, that's that's pretty good. Yeah. I try well, to yeah, I hard. remind myself. I've almost got it written on the back of my hand at this point. It's like, what should I ask? Oh, yeah. How old is this dog? <laughs> yeah. No, it's. That's something we've, uh, I mean, you and I have talked about it on Messenger and it's something I've talked about, you know, to other people on the podcast is this just the sort of desire I think people have and almost an expectation that, you know, if the dog's not Rambo by the time it's six months old, it's not going to turn out to be a good dog. And that's just such hogwash, you know, it's, it's, there's so many good dogs that, you know, that light bulb didn't go off until they were a year, you know, or more. Yeah. I blame now. This might be wrong. I may get some hate over this. I don't know, but I kind of blame it on social media. And oh, 100%. I'm a social media guy, oh, so you know, I'm yeah. kicking myself. Ooh. But these kids, I see so and so showing off their dog at a month old, winning some big truck or whatever it is, you know. And I'm they, it happens, right? But they just think that's the norm. And right. another another fault that these kids can't help is they don't have a mentor like I did and some other people that I was able to watch how they train a dog and how they take a dog two or three years to develop and this and the other. So the only thing they're getting as far as knowledge is what they see on Facebook and things like that. And and that's where, you know, we always try to take the the channel was be a little more informative to kind of give people a realistic view of what things are going to take to accomplish, you know, so they don't get burnout or impatient, but this whole world these days, you know, instant gratification, Oh, Click yeah. a button and you're there, and that's what they want in a hound too. And absolutely, it's just one thing you can't speed up, really. No, and you know, and, and that's something that I, you know, I have to remind myself of it. I mean, I know this really well. This is something that I have had hammered into me, you know, via mentors or even just from experience of the last 25 years of running sled dog, and now with this hound thing, you got to be patient. I know that that is the bottom line the basic you know minimum basic requirements for getting a hound of any type of working dog to work is to be patient and it is still the Mm -hmm. thing that i struggle the most with yeah you know and it's just because naturally i'm when i'm out there i want there to be action i want there to be things i want to see progress you know so i can understand getting frustrated with it um yeah but i i totally agree with you that social media you know i just today i got sent to a video um, from a buddy of his five-month-old uh, hound, just tearing it up. Dropped him on a dropped him on a coon track. Was like, ah, we'll see what happens. Thing ran the <laughs> whole track and treed the coon at five months old. And yeah. I'm psyched for the guy. Like I'm totally pumped that that his dog is performing at that level. But it's just like, at you know, at the same time, it's like somebody who doesn't know even a little bit about this is really, really getting into it for the first time. I don't think they yeah. realize how rare that is. Yeah. yeah. You know, and you can hide a lot of, you can mask a lot of sins on, <laughs> you can, you can uh, on Facebook and Instagram. It's amazing yeah. what a little bit of sound editing and an ACDC song on 
sort of drowning out all the cursing does to make a dog look good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure enough. You, you don't have to show all the blood and sweat and tears that went into one. You're just showing the end result there. So Right, you know, right. you can show that picture of him treed. You don't need to show the 45-minute of video of you trying to get him off of the deer he's chasing first. You know, it's like... Yeah, yeah. It's... Uh, well, that's yeah. just to show that. I remember one time I put up a video of Nick's and, um, or no, 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 it wasn't my video. It was, um, my buddy Bryce, who's on my channel, he put up a video and he came walking in to his dog. He sends me all the raw footage and I would edit the videos for him. Mm-hmm. Well, he had come walking into the dog, put the dog tied to the tree with the lead and he's comp hunter. So that's the first thing they do, lead the dog, tie it back. Well, then he steps back and he shines a tree and he finds a coon and he walked back to the dog or no, maybe it was a den or something. I can't remember how it worked out, but yep. in my edit, I just, I left it where he walks up to the dog and the dog is tied to the tree. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what it was. It was a den. So he walks in, grabs his dog, says, this is a den, takes it off the lead and recasts it. Well, somebody in the comments is like, oh, you can tell you had that heavily. Who else walks in the dog first time and they're tied back? Right. And I said, <laughs> I said, here's an eight minute video of an hour and a half worth of footage. I added down to eight minutes. Right. <laughs> I, I, ha- I have the video, but do you want to watch an hour and a half of him walking around with nothing happening? You know, some people would, I guess some people have, I guess so. Well, but I've also found that, uh, there's not a lot of, there's a couple of channels. Um, you know, yours is one of them that I really like. And then, um, George Lambert's channel. Mm-hmm. That, uh, music, uh, mountain, mountain music mountain and mules. Mules, yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually recently found his uh, two or three months ago. I'm really liking his stuff. Yeah. Uh, George is George was just on the podcast last couple episodes ago. Okay, real interesting guy, and uh, yeah, I, I just like how he puts his films together. You know, there he shows sort of the nitty gritty. You know, it's 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 romantic in the sense that you know he's up on a mule and he's hunting bears with his hounds and all this stuff but you know at, at the yeah. at the same time there's a realism that i appreciate you know the he'll he'll keep in when he gets swiped off of his mule by a low-hanging branch and you know he'll he'll take videos of his buddies <laughs> losing their footing and rolling down embankments and things like that you know yeah which just to me adds to the charm but you know at the same time yeah. i think it's uh i'd much rather somebody got if, if they were going to get their first view into what this is all about i would much rather that they watched you know a video, one of your videos or one of george's videos than you know t- some of these other channels not taking anything away from them but you know some of these other channels sort of seem like uh you know a, if you don't end the day with three bears in the tree it's been an off day you know and which is mm. not ever really the case <laughs> you know it's it's funny we're talking about this because you know I always said when we started the video or started the channel, we're going to put it up no matter what it is, you know, good, bad trees, slick trees, dens, don't matter. Don't strike nothing. We'll put it up. Well, I got to where for a while there, we were putting up some hunts. Like we wouldn't even strike it can. And I'm like, I put up two or three of these videos and I told my wife, I was like, I'm going to put no more of this because nobody wants to see this. You know, nobody's <laughs> clicking on your crap to see you walk around the woods talking. Right. And so I, I didn't show them, you know, and I started getting all these messages guys were like man i really like them videos you just you're keeping it real this and that. i'm like are you serious like you you were okay watching 10 minutes of us doing nothing and he's like yeah it's just like we're getting to go hunting with you he's right like, right you know a lot of people were, were they weren't saying we we want to go 
CU tree coons. We want to experience like we're hanging out in the woods with you. And I was like, right. Okay. You know, so right. I kept putting them up and those videos surprisingly do really well. One of my highest viewed videos, and it could have to do with the title is uh coon hunt gone wrong, man down. <laughs> and it's 20, it's like 25 minutes. We don't strike the first coon. And at the end of the video, my buddy is like dancing up on top of these wooden stairs we found in the woods. And he flips over on his head and lands flat on his head. Oh, my no. dog goes over and licks his face. And everybody loves it, you know. But as far as coon hunting, it's the worst video ever. Right. You know? So, right. Well, I think there's something to be said for some some level of realism. And it doesn't need to be exciting. Yeah. You know, life so often is not that exciting. And it's actually, I mean, it's part of why I do the podcast, these podcasts, the way that I do them is, you know, I... I toyed with the idea of doing something super, you know, streamlined and, you know, tra- with mm-hmm. transitions and, you know, breaks for music and, and, you know, heavily edited so that there was no gaps, no ums, no uhs, no, you know, nothing. Yeah. And just got to the point where I started to think, what, what are the podcasts that I like listening to? And it's, it's the ones where you feel like you're kind of just sitting on a tailgate with somebody. It's like, it's a conversation that you could have at a campfire over a beer, yeah. you know, and that's, that's why I usually go into these without giving people a whole lot of information. You know, I, um, I'll, I'll have my guests tell them what it's about, tell them what we're, you know, a couple of things that we're going to talk about the sort of vague idea, but you know, I don't yeah. send a long list of talking points or anything like that because I like the, the back and forth, the mellow, just kind of talk about what you talk about. Cause I, I feel like, a, and I think that that's, you know, the, yeah. the people who listen to my podcast, they, they, they seem to like, to like that it's never going to be you know it's never going to be a you know as popular as bear grease or you know uh, meat eater or anything like that but that's you know not why i do it i've said it a hundred times and i'll say it again that the reason i yeah. do this podcast is it gives me the excuse i need to uh call and talk to people like yourself yeah yeah well me and you both know <laughs> you don't get in a podcast to make a living or anything like that and or, or it's friends. a lot of work <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. I mean, people people don't really understand between that and video stuff. It it is a lot of work, you know. So yeah. you got to do it because you love it, and uh, I'm glad you're still doing it. And uh, I I see you growing. I see people sharing more and more people sharing your podcast links and stuff around on on Facebook stuff. Yeah, so. we're starting to get a little bit of momentum here, which uh, we kind of got out of those those first those first ten episodes where I was still kind of trying to figure out what I what, you know figuring out what I was doing um, to a degree yeah. that was actually creating some problems but um you know i'm i'm trying to get a little bit better every time i do these mm-hmm. and uh it's you know keep plugging at it but it's um you know i you got the like groove war in the saddle now hmm? that's right now i'm yeah. now i'm comfortable <laughs> now i'm comfortable yeah, yeah. Now i'm just now i'm just along for the ride that's great so what's uh what's uh what's on the horizon for you what have you got planned well as far as the coon hunting thing, um, like I said, I'm down to old hide now. He's eight years old. Um, I have part of that card conversation I have with myself was, you know, there, there'll be no more pups here for foreseeable. I, I assume unless something comes along and I find some guy that wants to let me hunt a thousand acres nearby that I don't know about. Sure. But, uh, so I don't think, cause I can't justify, I cannot do uh, a good job for a dog to raise a pup or anything. Um, Kind of on the search right now, though, to find a female, I'd like to breed my hide too, just to get mm-hmm. the blood and the genetics out there. To, even if it's two or three generations later, maybe I could have a contact and say, hey, I'd like to have a 
grandpup or something. Sure. But uh, one thing I do, I think I, I keep finding a lot of people, you see a lot of people with these seven, eight, nine-year-old dogs. Maybe they're retired out of comp hunting or whatever. Um, they just need a good place to end out their days. Sure. And so I, I assume once Hyde gets to that point and maybe, you know, passes on that I still want to stay a houndsman. I, I can't just quit it. So I assume sure. I, I kind of would like to find the older dogs and just give them a good place to finish out their days. If it's hunting twice a month or whatever it is, you know, and yeah. kind of go that route. So, um, sure. that's, but that's another thing. Cool. Yeah. I, it seems to be, there's a real need for that. Uh, I, I mean, absolutely. If you look at any of these hound sites on Facebook, you know, it's, it's just, it's, it's completely packed full of one or the other. Either you're looking at the nine month old that's not killing it mm-hmm. that people are moving on, or you're looking at those, as you say, those those retired, you know, dogs that are getting up to getting up there in age, retiring from competition, or maybe can't keep up with the rest of the pack on some of the longer, harder sh- um, stuff that they do. So yeah. I think that that's yeah. great to um, you know to give a dog like that some good comfortable place to fade away is, is a sounds like a great idea yeah that's that. so that's kind of where <laughs> that's right that's kind of where my head's going and um like i said my dad he's a he's always been a rabbit hunter he's always had beagles around yeah. his packs getting up there in age they're all seven plus years old right now and mm-hmm. i also got to thinking it's not hard for me to go out here and five find five or ten acres they can't coon hunt on obviously but I thought, you know, beagles. I might, I might just go ahead and get a couple of young beagles. You know, because they're pretty. From what I've seen, from what I've done, I've done all my life with my dad. They're, they're pretty easy to train. You just mm-hmm. you take them, and you know, there's some work to it, of course. But yeah, I don't want to oversimplify it. So I might do that, and then I've looked at the squirrel world. I'm like, man, that looks like a lot of fun. That does look like you fun. Know? Those those spice and those curves, man. Yeah, I mean, like- it's short range. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's such a good way to go, you know, at at this point. And, and it's funny you mentioned the beagles because that's actually the direction I'm going right the, at this okay. moment. I, I don't want to give anybody the impression that I'm not going to have, you know, tall hounds anymore because I, I, I have mm-hmm. two of them. You know, both of them are yeah. under six years old. Um, And I've got that down, you know, the plot I've got down at my buddy's house that I'm going to still, still hunt. Um, But, you know, for the firm, the family for my kids, you know, it's, it's a little rough. The, the, the terrain up here, you know, it's, it's not flat, it's steep, it's rocky, it's, it's wet, you know, it's, it's rough for little kids to keep up with you when, when you're trying to get into a, trying to get into a den and, you know, then, you know, especially with a den, it's like you end up digging for three hours to get the dog out of there. It's, it's not that Mm -hmm. much fun for them. I try to make it fun, but ultimately it's just not that much fun. It's too long of a day for a lot of them. Yeah. Um, But, you know, the beagles are just, they're such great little dogs and it's, it's, it's so much more accessible. It's so much more, you know, it's much more on the kids' levels. They see the dog yeah. pretty much the entire time, can hear the dog. Mm-hmm. There's hair everywhere here. Really? Okay. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I ordered a beagle. I've got a beagle coming Did to you? me. In, yeah. I've got a beagle coming to me in a month. Word from? Um, it's from Lions here. Uh, Lions okay. here. And, uh, here in Norway, um, most of the my my impression has been it. It, it sounds like the beagles kind of split off a little bit when you got the American mm-hmm. 
you know, when the, the, the original bunch ended up in the U.S., it seems like a lot of the American beagles are based off of those. You know, you've got the blue tick beagles and things like that. Right. Um, and then you've got the British beagles, a sort of little bit smaller, um, you know, uh, yappier beagles. It seems like the, okay. um, the Norwegian beagles kind of stem from that English stuff. Mm-hmm. So they're a little bit smaller, um, a little bit more pack oriented originally, but now they've right. been here for so long that Norwegians have bred them to sort of fit into, you know, the what the laws are here, which is how many dogs you can drop on any one thing. And okay. even with eagles, you know, you can only drop one. Really? So the, uh, the dog I'm getting is from a guy, um, who has been breeding beagles for quite a while has been breeding dogs in hounds forever. He was breeding these, these, uh, these Hegan hounds, uh, which is a native Norwegian breed. Um, mm-hmm. did that for 30 years and now he's doing the beagles. Um, and they come from, uh, sort of, uh, what do you call it? Deer, deer stock. Okay. Yeah. They're, they're bred for, yeah. you know, great, great hair dogs as well, but they're bred specifically for, um, these roe deer. Okay. Which we've got yeah. a ton of here. So, well, see that that's where I'm a little weary on getting a beagle locally to here because down toward the East coast, they're using the beagles quite a bit for the deer and, you know, we can't do that here. And I don't know if that's necessarily bred into them so much that if you bought one from someone toward the East, that's breeding them all the time. Right. You're going to have an issue with that. You know, I do know several guys around here that beagle hunt that they're pretty gamey. You know, my dads are broke very well, but some of these other guys, they're pushing deer pretty hard and they're taking you know, a couple of years to get them broke. And, yeah. You know, so yeah. So we'll see. Um, but I mean, there's a, there are kennels that spe- specifically breed for, for cottontails and hares and things still over there. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's more toward uh, the Midwest area, you yeah. know, of that area. Cause you know, it's, it's illegal to hunt anything or deer with a, hound at all in that right. area so all those all those beagles up there are strictly for rabbits and stuff sure um so i, I probably will go that route when i go to look for one which a lot of my dad's stock come from up there too so really okay. that may be why his yeah. his broke hoodies i don't know what size are uh, that's sort of a theory i've been working chewing on a little bit the last couple of days here is that i've noticed that the beagles over here are really small so like the 13 like the 13 inch beagles first you know um, yeah, well, see, that's uh, here. Well, with my dad, that's a tall beagle. He's running nines and tens. Is that right? Primarily. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We, yeah, we like the mom of, short here. The mom of my beagle is probably yeah ten maybe. She's real small. Yeah. Yeah. That's I. Dad said he always liked that because you know getting in the briar thickets they just cut through them faster. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'm not. I don't have a preference either way. I just will probably stick towards what similar to dad always run you know um speaking of short t- something has really caught my eye maybe you have any information on this since you're you know tapped into the europe side mm-hmm. we've got a basset hound here as my my house dog mm-hmm. i'm telling you this sucker has a nose like i ain't never seen mm-hmm. and a memory like if i go out there and drop a, a dog kibble in the yard this evening and i take him out there three days from now and take him to the other side of the property he'll about face and go over here and find that Right. <laughs> are the bassets being used to hunt anything still? Oh, or yeah. is it just strictly a pet breed? No, they? no, no. They're they are hard they're badass over here. 
Really? Oh, oh yeah. Animals. Over here, totally different, totally different animals. <clears throat> and, you know, a lot of what, a lot of what I grew up seeing, you know, are these, you know, the bassets that I grew up seeing over there, you know, were, you know, they, they, they basically looked like bloodhounds with short legs. I mean, they were big, thick bodied, you know, great big heads, great long ears that they were mm-hmm. stumbling over and things like that. Then I got over here and saw the actual, you know, like the, the bassets, the, like they originally looked they're yeah. tremendously good dogs tremendously good dogs especially those um you know those wire-haired ones right yep like not not the dachshunds but like the those those little gold golden gray colored like what are they called the the griffin vendines yeah yeah and they're they're excellent excellent deer dogs because it's you know as you i, I think it has something to do with how close to the ground they are because they mm-hmm. just they, they don't miss anything. I mean, they don't yeah. miss anything. Yeah. And it's uh, see, Yeah, they're super impressive dogs. What are they primarily hunting them for? You know, uh, over here for the very, or is it? Yeah, for the very most part over here they're they're using them for for the the bigger deer. Um they use them for roe deer mm-hmm. as well, but for the very most part they're using them for those big red stags. Okay. Um, right. Because a, a red stag, you know, the the roe deer will move out of an area to avoid any issues. Whereas mm-hmm. a red stag, not it's not uncommon for them to stop and kind of figure out what's on, what's after them. Right. And if they don't like it, they'll. I mean, they'll book out of there faster than anything. Okay. But if they with these little dogs, they'll just be like, oh, okay, well. And and they'll yeah. they'll stroll out of there. They yeah. are not worried about yeah. it at all, which makes these bassets great because they're so slow. I mean, they yeah. look at how fast their legs are moving. They look like they're flying, but then you actually look <clears> how <throat> the ground they're covering. It's like they're slow. Yeah. And well, that's, uh, you know, I got friends east coast that deer hunt, and that's the same thing. They prefer a beagle because a whitetail will just kind of lope about a hundred yards ahead, take a break, let the beagles catch up, and lope on. You know, yeah. So that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's been you know I, I've hunted roe deer over beagles and and these bassets and a couple of dachshunds, and the the deer just look relaxed. There's nothing about it yeah. that looks stressful for them. They're just kind of moving moving ahead of them. They usually you know as you say a hundred couple hundred yards ahead of them, just puttering out of the. It know, almost comes off as playful. You almost, know? yeah. They're not stressed yeah. out at all. But when my walker gets on a roe deer. Man, that animal is that animal is yeah. stressed out. I cannot imagine that that animal is going to taste good. Like if I, you know, if I yeah. decided to do a little bit of poaching and took that, yeah. like I cannot imagine that that animal would taste good at all with all the adrenaline, yeah, the adrenaline, and lactic acid, <laughs> all the crap. You know, I remember a couple years ago, she, I draw, I put her on a fox track. That was just flaming hot. And after six feet, an old road ear track crossed just like 90 degree angle, crossed right over the top of it. Mm -hmm. She broke off on that old road ear track. And I mean, it was, it was old. Like we're talking Mm -hmm. like the day before we'd gotten enough snow and these tracks were filled with snow. And like I chased after I saw, I saw like saw the writing on the wall. She blew out of there bumped a deer within 
probably five or 600 yards and ran that sucker for 20 miles. Wow. And I kept trying to get in front of her and she would just like, I mean, it was like a bad dog at a dog park, just like, you know, shucking and jiving around me, yeah. you know, yeah. and, uh, just kept it going. It took me the longest time to catch her. This was fairly early on. And, uh, so I was still working on the in-calling and what ended up happening is I got in front of them both and, you know, they were moving slow. Both of them were moving slow at this point. And this road deer, he jumped <laughs> out of the road. I'm standing right there. He looks at me. And just all of all the fight went out of this deer. He just like he saw, he looked at me, his shoulders sunk, <laughs> sunk down onto his haunches, laid down on the road. It was just like, all right, you you got me. Yeah, you know. Oh, so I, I ran up there, like gave him a you know, popped him in the butt, got him on his feet, shoot him off into the woods, yeah. turned around and tackled her as she came running by. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, I, I cannot imagine that that deer. I mean, heck, he was, he was toasted. Yeah. That had been a heck of a race for a deer to finally, you know, have its, its will live, be broke like that and just oh. lay down and give up. That's... Yeah. And I mean, just, I can't imagine it tasted good. Like, I, I mean, yeah. an animal that's been run that hard. Yeah. I just can't yeah, imagine. That'd be worse than a buck killed in a rut. <laughs> right. And this, that, that's what this <laughs> was. This buck was like in yeah. at the tail end of the rut, tired, 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 did not need that. Yeah. Uh, going into a winter so i felt i felt really i'll tell bad. you right now that really says something for a stamina of that dog you got i mean oh my god she's <laughs> she's something else like i i did long distance i did long distance um dog mushing for a lot of years mm-hmm. and she's just for a long distance sled dog perfectly yeah. built perfectly put together to just eat up eat up just miles and miles and stay healthy you know, she's not yeah. beating up the shoulders. She's not beating up her back. She's not, you know, wrenching wrists, toes, anything like that. Her, her limiting factor is uh, her feet. Mm-hmm. They're just garbage. Okay. By the, by the time I hauled her off of that road deer, she was just like bleeding heavily from all four. Yeah. Of them. Yeah. But yeah. you know, as just a physical, a physical specimen, uh, she's blown me away a couple of times. You know, I've got the. I've got her and then I've got that other, you know, that grade walker and he's mm-hmm. six inches taller at the shoulder, you know, young, bodacious, testosterone pumped male. And she mm-hmm. just, she toasts him. He doesn't mm-hmm. have I mean, no chance, no chance yeah. in the world to keep up with her. What's she weigh? Oh, she's not that heavy. 40 pounds, maybe. She's pretty, she's pretty yeah. small. Yeah, she's about right. I know a lot of the guys, you know, that, uh, do the deer dog and even the bear hunter stuff. If they're wanting to push one and catch up to one and get it treed, you know, them, them smaller ones, frame dogs, they put on the pressure. So I know that female I had, she was, uh, maybe 40, 45 pounds high. Should be around eighties, around a hundred right now. And, mm-hmm. you know, he's even compared to his year four and year five, her stamina was, was crazy. So, right. Yeah. Yeah. There's something to be said, I think for not having those, those great big, those great big animals, you know, I, th- I think they be, even in the sled dog world, you know, you don't want those hundred pound monsters. You'd think you would, but you don't, you know, yeah. ideally in the long distance sled dog world, you, you know, you're going to want, you know, females in the 50 pound range, males in the 55 to 60 pound range, because they're going to be able to keep moving without, you know, slowly 
know, I could just look at me compared to my wife, you know, my wife can run and, you know, jog every day and never feel, never, you know, it doesn't bother. If I do that, I yeah. just, I start to feel it in my toes, my ankles, my knees, my shoulders, my neck. Like I'm, yeah. I'm a big dude and just pounding. It's just, uh, I, I get worn out. Yeah. Well, it's like you look at athletes and stuff, all your supreme athletes that do endurance stuff, they're all the 140, 150 pound people, right. you know, you don't see 200 pound guys out there often doing that. So <laughs> that's true. Uh, yeah. You don't see the 200 pounders yeah. competing in the marathons. No, no, you sure not going to see me in there. No, 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 me neither. So, well, cool. Well, we're at about an hour here. So I think, uh, it's been awesome to have you on here, Nick. Uh, I've been, we've cer- certainly been trying for a while, and if it wasn't something up with uh, your work schedule, something up, something horrible happening here, some car accident, or oh COVID yeah, bringing that up. <laughs> You're bringing that up. Did your your wife have an accident in that uh, Toyota? That new Toyota you got? No, thank God. Okay, no. I heard that, and I was like, oh, oh, yeah, no, she. Uh, <clears throat> she had an accident in the old Toyota, which I mean, was it's like a Toyota. Most Toyotas, you know, it was going to be the. It was going to eventually dis- disintegrate because of rust. <laughs> yeah, but it was just like this endless workhorse of a vehicle. I loved that vehicle. Um, yeah, not comfortable, loud, stinky. You know, had thousand dogs in it, and how? Who knows how many dead deer and moose and things like that. But, um. Yeah, got really icy here. We got a this week of rain um, in yeah midwinter. Went from real, real cold to real, real warm and rainy. Just pouring rain for a couple of days and then froze again. So the roads mm-hmm. were really bad. And, um, she just kind of started to drift and ended up in a ditch. Broke the frame of the truck in three places. Um, the tr- the actual cab dislocated from the uh <laughs> from the frame wow yeah it was bad man it was bad Shoot. Dog but everybody box. was okay everybody was fine that was the most amazing thing is the truck was just total yeah. totally totaled like banana shaped totaled yeah. and uh yeah, everybody like my wife and both kids were in the truck not a not a yeah. scratch on them so i did not care about that truck even a little bit yeah <laughs> i was just thankful that they were so doing that yeah, now, now you got, got that brand new Toyota Hilux, and that thing. I'm telling you, things. If you could get them here, every bear hunter in the country would buy a dozen. Oh, I just, my yeah. I mean, if I ever move back to the states, it's going to be, you know, hell, I'll sail over there if I means I can bring my truck with me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's like uh, I don't. It's they're, they're such good vehicles. I mean, it's unbelievable. They're they're lighter than the Tacomas. Hmm. And a little bit wider, and Can you still get a diesel in them. Oh yeah, they're diesel manuals. Mm-hmm. I mean, almost exclusively diesel manuals. Okay, and uh, they just they 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 go forever, and such good vehicles. And yeah, it's not a not brand spanking new, but it's awfully shiny and nice. So I I like it. Looks look new in the pictures. So it looks pretty new in the pictures. The guy who had it before me was uh, he took good care of it. So I got real lucky there. Yeah. Finally, I finally yeah. have a comfortable vehicle to bump around on all these bad roads. Haul another thousand dogs around. 
I'll haul another thousand dogs around. I'm, oh, I, I figure if I can make it home after picking up this beagle pup without soaking about a liter, you know, a gallon of vomit and urine into the seat, I'm going to be real happy. <laughs> yeah, I hear that. We'll see what happens. Well, best of luck with that beagle, man. Keep Thanks. Me yeah, keep me updated on that. I know you'll keep that. all the listeners. It would be cool if, uh, yeah, keep me updated on if you you end up going that road. That would be that would be fun if you, uh, you had some beagles over there because it. I mean, it is such a great, it's such a great dog when you're thinking about doing yeah. these. Uh, you know, when when you don't have those huge huge tracts of land to run on. I mean, beagles mm-hmm. are just they're such an accessible dog, just in so many different ways. Great little dogs. You know, something I find too is it around here. It seems a little more of a gentleman's sport as far as mm-hmm. the public side goes. You know, you're. I hate to put people in boxes like this, so the, hope nobody takes no offense to it. But you know, like you see a man fly fishing, he's a he's a gentleman. You know, he's dressed well, got all the you know. Even your doctors and lawyers like to be fly fishing, but none are out there catfishing noodling. You know, right, right. And when, <laughs> when people people look at, at, at hounds around here, um, you know, there's some doctors and lawyers around here that are that are beagle hunters or rabbit mm-hmm. hunters. You know, that's just like upland bird stuff. But then you get to looking at running bears, oh, and slip down our nose, you know. Right. So it, it makes it a little easier to find land, not get harassed, Absolutely. so on and so forth. Yeah, I mean, they've yeah. got these great big baby CLIs, so you bring it with you when you ask for permission. You're like, yeah. say no to that face. Go ahead. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah. All right, Nick. I really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, brother. I appreciate you having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, anytime, man. Man, I love that sound.